Welcome to Off Brand, the design podcast with a difference. I'm Oscar, and each episode I'll be chatting to a few colleagues about a topic we care about. In our first episode, I talked to Alice, our senior designer here at Nala, and Bethan, our accounts director, about empathy. Often seemingly lacking in today's world, empathy is an important part of our humanness. So we ask, what actually is empathy? Is there a lack or reduction in empathy nowadays? How does empathy play out in a working environment? And lastly, is there such thing as empathetic design? To round things off nicely, we asked Johnny, our design director, what he would do in the event of a zombie apocalypse. Um, so, just going to start off with an easy enough question. And what is empathy? What, what do we? What does that? What does that make either of you feel when well. you think of empathy? Bethan, oh, come I, through with fact, the facts. Fact queen. I am going to answer your question with a question. <laughs> My favourite. How, uh, how old do you think the word empathy is? Oh, God. I'm not going to how try and How long do you think it's been around for? I know already. Is it? I was here, so oh, you, you were here. So I got too excited when I told Oscar. Is it old or young? Oh. What do you think? Can you give me a, I don't know, a book? Um, wait a minute. In the English language. Okay, so, 800 years? No. In the English language, it's only been around for about a century. Since about 1908. 1908. Yeah. Mm. And it was some guys, some guys, just some guys. (laughs) It was um, psychologists that used it to translate a German word called Einfühlung. And they didn't have a word, they didn't have a translation in the English language for it. So they had to come up with an English translation that kind of evoked the sentiment of this word. Mm. And so they came up with empathy, which is M is in, in Greek, ancient Greece, mm-hmm. and pathos is feeling. So it's about feeling in. Oh. But in fact, at first, it felt the opposite to what we recognise it today. Mm-hmm. So I guess answering the question, what is empathy? It's that you're... Uh, understanding somebody else's feelings you're trying to put yourself Mm. in their shoes and kind of get what they're going through Mm. whereas originally this word was about you projecting your feelings on something else so actually projecting your feelings onto an object is what the original term was and it wasn't until kind of 1948 I think I read in my article (laughs) (laughs) that it, it ended up being more of a term about you trying to take the feelings of another into yourself. So at first, some of the participants were saying about a bunch of grapes, that I feel the bunch of grapes have a cool, and they're feeling a crisp and cool, juicy feeling. I don't understand. (laughs) It's so weird. (laughs) Or, um, so one that I think makes a bit more sense was that people are watching a movement of dance and they feel themselves kind of moving along with it mm-hmm. and getting that feeling, which that one I feel starts to move a bit closer to what we mm. understand it right, as okay. today. Um, but originally it was like, I'm feeling this and I want to project it onto... A bunch of grapes. A bunch of grapes. Mm. So that they feel the same way as me. So you're almost trying to put human feeling onto right, an object. Okay, yeah. fine. Um, but obviously... And I guess it, it, you can sort of see the progress that mm. you're you're trying to understand what someone else is going through by putting yourself in their shoes. Mm. Yeah. So you're almost trying to right. If I was feeling that, how would I feel? Yeah. To try and understand somebody else. Yeah. But, but effectively, yeah, that makes more sense rather yeah. than a bunch of grapey. Yeah. I feel like this. So, so. 
Yeah. Should you? I don't know. Is that what it is? <laughs> it was I'm just, still I just, not understanding. What? <laughs> I just really liked the the um, description of feeling was mm. a cool, juicy feeling. Yeah. <laughs> what I is mean, that? I'd love to feel cool and that juicy. That is what a group would feel <laughs> if it was a person. Yeah. Pop cool. it in your mouth. <laughs> juicy. Juicy. <laughs> <laughs> it would wear like a little hat yeah. on the side, maybe. Yeah. And You're like never going to look at a bunch of great <laughs> Be called Doug. Hey, <laughs> hey Doug. I give you a little Doug. thumbs up. <laughs> you've you've really envisioned this. I time. mean, I am the grape now. <laughs> I am Doug. I get it. <laughs> okay. yeah. I'm full of. Yeah, you look very cool and juicy right now. <laughs> Thank you. Very cool. Oh, there you go. Really interesting. Um, mm. Yeah. So next thing is is kind of how how empathy plays out in the real world. How do we where do we see it kind of playing out, and and what mm. what what are the effects of of having it or not having empathy? What can we see? Because I think there's a hell of a lot of examples of massive lacks of empathy. Yeah. At the moment, mm. But then also lots of empathy as well. Yeah. So. I feel like um, social media is a definite. Um, or you know, trolling or comments or whatever you want to call it, that is, you know, because you can detach yourself physically mm. from other people, I think that's where there is a definite lack of empathy today because it's kind of like, you know, you're making comments about a photo, you're not actually thinking about how those comments are going to affect that person or affect how they feel. And because you're behind a screen, you mm. don't know them, you're not, you know... Mm you have no sort of emotional connection to them. I think that's a real problem. And obviously we've seen it with, you know, kind of like this rise in depression and anxiety. And I think that's what happens when people are just, yeah, just don't necessarily think about the consequences of what, of their actions and what they're saying. So you think they would have more empathy if they saw someone in person? Well, you wouldn't say those comments. I mean, some people might, but you wouldn't, the majority of yeah, people. Yeah, it's, you know, it's that same thing, like, you know, people are always harsh on email than if you were to pick up the phone and talk to them, or, and even less so in person, because it's just, you're kind of disconnecting yourself even mm. further, and the the closer you are, kind of like, as a, with humans, the more kind of like you... I guess you'll think about what you're saying and how it will affect them, because you can physically see or hear their emotions whereas if you are literally just typing mm. then that's interesting know. I never thought about the fact that you have more empathy if you're in a face-to-face situation yeah but then I'd I'd come back on this slightly with um for example things like the refugee crisis mm. um and I don't feel personally know I haven't physically seen any refugees trying to cross to come into England or something mm. but the visceral imagery that we get from mm. media and stuff like that causes me to empathize with those people mm-hmm. even though I don't know them but mm-hmm. then I think like you said mm. it's because you can physically see how they're feeling yeah. and you can see the situation that they're in yeah whereas when it's when it comes to social media like yeah. you said you completely disconnect because yeah. you can't often you know the amount of times someone puts up a photo of them looking like they're having a really bad time yeah yeah that's it like when does that ever happen and if it does happen it's like oh my god and that's why you know these accounts that do sort of promote a bit more of this human side you know whoever that might be whether it's you know 
know, young girls being just showing off their cellulite or just not mm. posing in a certain way or if it's you know like a new mum just showing struggles or you know whatever that's when people are like oh actually you know I feel the same way and then that's mm. when you know they get praised obviously they get a couple of other comments like you know oh negativity and yeah you know but I do wonder if because I wonder if you're actually in the minority Oscar though that you see those harrowing refugee images and feel something mm. I wonder if there's a bit of overload kind of desensitisation mm. because a lot of people don't feel that when they see yeah. refugees a lot mm. of people have a lot of apathy um, towards people that are struggling you know you hear about um, the crisis in Mozambique at the moment mm. and sometimes it feels like there are so many of these messages being shown at you do people really feel it? Mm. And I think it's harder and harder for um, charities and initiatives such as that to really get their point across. Mm. So, yeah, I wonder if everybody does feel like that or whether it is... It's almost rare now to feel that from an image. It's quite a hard thing to get across. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm quite like you, Oscar, in that I am quite a... A compassionate or mm. soft person like I would call myself quite soft and mm. quite like not teary but quite quite a lot in touch, <laughs> like, in touch with in your touch emotions. my emotions in yeah because when you know you know homeless people when I see homeless mm. people it's London you see them everywhere but every time I see them I'm like oh god mm. like that's mm. awful mm. whereas it's just another part of yeah. every day and I think yeah, you and go a step further than that I don't know mm. if you mind me mentioning mm. but a couple of months ago mm. when you stopped and helped that man yeah. on the street and it really <laughs> Oscar's giving her a little uh, <laughs> shoulder shoulder touch don't get emotional <laughs> <laughs> but I remember you telling me that day that mm. the amount of people that walked past yeah. well, that actually got angry with you for helping yeah. him yeah. and I think that's the disconnect isn't it that mm. some people some people such as yourself see a human being in a really awful situation yeah. and want to help them. Mm. Other people see a homeless man on the street that they've seen so many of yeah. that they they have a detachment from yeah. it. And I think even just that day you were saying that the amount of people that just walked straight past yeah. and you felt compelled to stop, but mm. not everybody did. No. And some people made it quite difficult for you mm. to actually help him. Yeah. So... The, but why? But I think yeah. because again, that's a that's a physical thing. He, yeah. He's right there, yeah. and yet people are walking straight past yeah. it. So, like, why do some people feel more empathy than others? Mm. And yeah. again, I think that feeds back to like like you said, because you're you're essentially seeing that person, mm. and you're thinking, if that was me, yeah. Because like, my my personal, I see myself as being quite an empathetic person, and mm. I feel quite. I can feel other people's emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I, like you said, if, if I see a homeless person and I and I just think for a second, if that was me, mm. how would I want yeah. people to? Mm. Yeah. All I'd want is someone to say hello. Just look or something, at you. Or, yeah, yeah, just, or just acknowledge just, you. Just, yeah, like mm. take note that you're there and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people, and I th- and this kind of comes on to the next question about like, have we become less empathetic? Mm-hmm. Because I think there's so many factors that have fed into um, people, like you said, Bethan. I'm quite surprised that you said that a lot, you think that most people 
wouldn't see mm. that and think, oh, I'd like to see a picture of, I don't know, Alan, Alan, I can't remember his last name, the little child in Greece who got washed up on the mm. beach. That was, I just remember seeing that and just, like, it was so harrowing and mm. so, like, it just made all of that awful situation in the Middle East so real and so, mm. and just, it was almost like a metaphor for it kind of washing up onto Europe mm. and kind of being like, here you go, mm. now you've got to deal with all of this yeah. shit, you know. Mm. So I think, yeah, I mean, well, maybe we should ask that now. What, what, why do you think, why do you think people have become less empathetic? Because you could put it down to social media, things like that, yeah. and the rising internet and this kind of social connections between people are changing massively in the way mm. that we interact with people. Mm. Is it that people are... I wonder if it's not that people are less empathetic, but they're less empathetic to certain things. So, for example, the refugee crisis, because it's it's so vast, you can't... It's quite difficult to connect one-on-one with mm. another person. Mm. You know, sometimes I think the most successful ones is where they follow one person's journey. Yeah. And you really understand their struggles, whereas I think quite a lot of the time it's millions of people are trying, millions of people are struggling, and mm. you just can't grasp so you see, big, yeah, you see it as a big, yeah, you see it as a big collection. And I wonder whether that's, from a kind of media standpoint, it feels like people are being less empathetic, <clears> but that's because how can you possibly relate to a million people? Mm. Yeah. You, you can't, because they're not putting it into a way that you you can possibly relate, relate to or understand. And I guess their situation is so far removed from your own situation. Mm. How are you mm. supposed to even relate to relate it? To it? in any sort of way yeah I, th- I think personally I think I don't think it's the main factor but I think a big factor especially with something like the refugee crisis um, is the fact that things are really bad for other people as well I think it's the fact that if you look at the people who well not, I don't want to generalise at all but people who are very angry with with or very worried or scared about immigration or mm. kind of refugees coming mm. in are often people who live in places that have very very few of those people so first they perceive too many yes so yeah. so but i think with that it's um and the and the places that those people live or kind of the areas and the councils and the sort mm. of um, things like that their life their li- quality of life and the problems that they have in their life are so great that thinking about someone else's problems mm. and trying to accommodate their problems doesn't seem fair for them. So they think, well, you know, what about us? You, mm. We've got to sort us out first and then think about these people. So I think that, I think there's kind of state of social, like society kind of <clears throat> things like that when applied to something like the refugee crisis. Mm. I think a lot of problems happen because people are thinking, well, I'm in a shit situation as well. What mm-hmm. about me? What about mm-hmm. me? Um, I haven't got time to worry about these people who are going to come in and make it, per- I perceive, to be worse mm-hmm. or harder for me to get what I need. So yeah. I think, you know, with, with the American election and stuff like that, it was very obvious with middle America where mm-hmm. got this left behind, yeah. massively impoverished, um, mostly white um, group of people who have been completely left behind and have huge issues with inequality and poverty and things like that. And Mm. the thought of other people coming and just kind of 
getting ahead of them or or taking that focus away from them they think why why should i Mm. so i can empathize with that as well that's Mm, the thing but then you know it's like yeah it's the the the, the issues kind of get focused away from from the human side of things and turn into sort of like a financial and i guess maybe it's does it then go into like a tribal thing of you care about your tribe Mm. first before caring about others yeah um, you know that kind of proximity mm. to to another person for those people their tribe or their their people whoever they understand their, what they're going through more than some a, another group exactly. of what yeah. another group is going through so maybe it's easier to empathise I was thinking when you're thinking do we have a limit of empathy so does everyone I can only care so much about so many things but then I think I don't think that's physically well, possible guess, but if you if you are more empathetic then it does affect you in like mm. other ways and maybe it's you know shutting your feelings off at a certain point like everyone will have a limit where they've just got to be like right this is actually affecting me now mm. so I've just got to kind of take a step back mm. and maybe that's that like mm. maybe we, you know other people just know how far to and like I said, I think, you know, like the rise in anxiety and mental health issues, mm. whether it's an awareness of those or whether it's actually more people are getting them. Mm. I'm not sure about the facts and details on that, but mm. I think a lot of you could apply that to that. And, you know, yeah. if someone's got all of these issues that they're trying to deal with, thinking about someone else mm. who they've got no connection to whatsoever yeah. would just kind of, you yeah. just sort of go scoot straight past yeah. it. And I found... Um, certainly in the area of mental health the the empathy levels increase when someone has experienced it first hand or, oh, yeah. or second hand mm. so um, I found with some close friends quite a few years ago talking about it and they'd be far more kind of blasé or this person's off they're struggling but mm. it's kind of oh she's taking a little day off for that mm. whereas now having seen other close friends go through it and experience it and see actually how awful it can be. Yeah. They don't say those things anymore. There's far more empathy. And I think that's only because they've got more understanding of it. So I think sometimes you can only have empathy if you can actually relate. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. And maybe that's part of the problem. You can't, for some people, until it's turned into... um, kind of behaviours or feelings that you can relate to that you could apply to your everyday life mm. like how can you possibly mm. or an experience you've had yeah any you know yeah like you said I think anything where it's happened to you personally I don't think unless you're a certain kind of person who can completely shut that off mm. I think there's it'd be very difficult for you to then not empathise with someone in the same yeah. situation I think yeah. that having that experience I think of certain certain things probably really affects a bit like you were saying I think it's so true about this whole mental health thing of like a few years ago people would like me personally I would be like oh for god's sake like Mm. you know like it's not that bad like because it's not visual and it's not you can't see it it's completely untangible um then it's much much harder to to kind Mm. of to relate to and take seriously even you know yeah so I think um, it just made me think about 
another example was I watched a program um, about homelessness and the way they they kind of um, heroed a, a couple of people that mm. were, were homeless and, and the story of how they got there. And what really hit me was one guy, it was, it was like three things happened to him and then he was homeless and they were three things that were just, you know, you you miss rent. Well, like, he got made redundant, which is happening to so many people right now. Mm-hmm. Then something else happened, something else happened. So it was, yeah. it was three things that I thought, oh my God, that could, that could easily happen to me. I think I saw the same programme. Because yeah. I remember thinking like, I'm, I'm pretty sure they showed a photo of him with his wife and he had a really good mm. job and he was in like this shirt and looked like just a looked normal professional yeah in a shirt but yeah and it's like this was me six months ago and now yeah mm. he, I think him and his wife divorced and he got made redundant and just yeah and it was just like this life. spiral mm. and I still think about that yeah I still think how easy it could be unless you have you know I'm incredibly lucky I have a support network mm, so I don't mm. think it would happen but mm. I'm sure he yeah. at some point never thought it would happen Yeah. and I think until you kind of put yourself in those shoes how can you empathise but it also made me think that other people I've noticed that some people can't if they've been through it themselves because they got through it they mm. can't understand how somebody um, is approaching it in a different way so for example grief some people take the view of well I managed it I'm fine now and I deal with it every day why is that person struggling so hard and sometimes although you've been through it you can't apply your own feelings that isn't empathy enough is it because well I deal with things in a completely different way to somebody else and someone else might find one thing harder I find it easier vice versa but I think that's sometimes the thing of you think someone's not being empathetic but that's because they they dealt with the situation in a very different way mm. to another person, and then that's so really, it's not no, always really the case. Point. That is a really good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I think because I felt that before. I felt like mm. you know I did that. Why are you finding it so difficult? Yeah. Why is it so hard for you to do that if I can do it? Yeah, and I think but that's they're not applying. You know, for example, a grandparent passing away. For some mm. people, they're not close to their grandparents. Mm. So it's not a big deal. For other people, they're incredibly close to their grandparents. Mm. <clears throat> their grandparents brought them up. Mm. So, you it's know... It's very situation-dependent. It's very right? situation. Mm. And then you have to put yourself in their shoes. It's not always about whether you can relate to it. Mm. In a general sort of human yeah. sense. It's much mm. more personalised. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes you just have to kind of almost take a leap of faith that I... I can't possibly put myself in your shoes. I can't possibly understand exactly what it's like, but mm. I see that you're going through it and yeah. I see how it's affecting you. Mm. But you can't possibly feel exactly That's what it. they're feeling. Yeah, you can never totally understand. You can you know, guess or, yeah. you know, oh, if I was you, I'd be feeling like this. Mm. So if you do, it's totally understandable and I'm here for you. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess people that, have gone through stuff and have then been like, oh, well, I've got through it, so why can't you? You know, that's mm. totally understandable as well. But they're projecting their, 
their own feelings onto that person mm. be like well I've done it so you should be fine as well yeah. but they're not yet maybe seeing, they're they're doing the great they're doing, they're, yeah they are they're, they're doing, doing the great the, trick the great trick yeah. not the modern day mm. version of empathy yeah. Yeah. which I guess was it right yeah. you project what you yeah, feel onto like, something else if I were going through that that's mm. how I'd feel yeah. but actually the modern day version of empathy is not that it's no. understanding that that person is going through it and mm. that's how they feel mm. and you can't possibly and understand trying to yeah. relate to how they feel mm. not yeah. how you would feel in that situation mm. exactly Cracked that's it. a great thing cracked it Doug's back cool juicy, cool juicy feelings cool juicy Doug I feel cool and juicy right now <laughs> um, so so yeah so like and and then so moving into kind of like business application of empathy how 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 does how does empathy affect or relate how a business is run in terms of from the top down so I, I feel like generally business as a very general term are getting better mm-hmm. you know you see much more um HR is no longer just about hiring and firing. It is understanding what individuals are going through and not necessarily having a general policy um, that is just kind of blanket. Yeah. There, there seems to be more of a tailored approach and more of an empathetic approach um, to business, obviously in a massively general term, and I think a lot of companies still aren't, but I do think there's still that problem of whoever at the top they need to lead that culture Mm. and if they don't have the right attitude around things like well I did it that person can Mm. go through it but if they have the view of well everyone's an individual and everyone has different Mm. needs and require different support but I don't think all businesses are doing that I think the Mm. trouble is you get leaders that just aren't putting themselves in the in the shoes of others do you think that's maybe down to like a generation change in leaders so you know 10 20 years back you had a certain you know mm, group of people yeah mm. that have now retired and now you're getting kind of like you know like millennials or gen z or whatever mm. like they're sort of moving up now and they have a different outlook than what mm. or, when, or whether back. it's i'm i'm tempted to to think that p- perhaps empathy chain in that sense, perhaps empathy changes with age, mm. or because you know there's often there's often a thing said about political opinion that changes with age. That yeah. people start mm. off much much milder in their views, and then go much more extreme or much because they've had all of that. A bit like you were saying about this thing of like, if I've done it, why can't you? Mm. That whole thing of like, the more you've experienced. The more you understand, you've had these experiences, you understand. So on one side, you could become much more empathetic because you've had all of these experiences, and therefore you can relate to so many more things. Mm. Or it could work in reverse, where you kind of go massively inward, and you think, "Oh, actually, well, I've been all through, through all this shit. Like, clearly, it's much easier for other people than it was for me." Then, so I don't know whether, the, like you said, I think like with. Um, yeah, with, with kind of the older generation of CEOs and things like that. Mm. I don't know whether people coming in the next generation will make any diff. whether it will change mm. or whether they'll just... It's just a different part of your life that you're in and yeah, <coughs> once you're in that position. I think... I don't know. In my uh, young years. <laughs> I, guess I haven't experienced loads of different companies, but I haven't seen it be a generation thing. 
Okay. I've seen it be a personality thing. Mm. It's so... And then I guess, who knows, like, you're just, just, uh, yeah. you get lucky or you don't, basically. And you're... You know, I, I can't say I've been in 20 different companies and experienced 20 different CEOs running it. Mm. Or however many more to be able to put a kind of mm. proper argument together. But I don't... I haven't experienced it as a generation thing of older people are less empathetic or young people mm. are more empathetic mm. it's more been the situation and the context because mm. I think you can have younger people that are incredibly driven and incredibly focused in terms of business profit mm. all of that them yeah than the team and then I think you've got older generations that have real corporate responsibility and a real um, a, an empathetic outlook mm. Do you think it's becoming more of a selling point now, though, because mm. it is such a big, like, wellness and looking after yourself and this whole work-life balance? I feel like that's becoming a more, much more important factor for people in work. Yes. Um, I'd agree with that. And mm-hmm. I think especially the um, millennial group... I'm using air quotes. <laughs> the age range changes. But that kind of that group clearly are asking for more. You've seen it in quite a lot of studies that what they're looking for out of a job is no longer just stability and a paycheck. They want Mm -hmm. a life as part of it and they Mm -hmm. want it to kind of fit in with their current lives Mm -hmm. and they are looking for more of that, those perks, I guess, than the traditional sense. Mm -hmm. So they are looking for more of that wellness Mm -hmm. and ensuring that a job isn't going to take over their life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how it's changed, at least up to now, compared to our grandparents' generation, is that it's much more socially accepted as a mm. as a, th- a thing to feel those things and to feel... So that, yeah, I, I feel like we've become a lot more accepting of empathy. Yeah. I think people have become... There's a much more widespread understanding of what that means and, and what it is to kind of... Stomach. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Steady lunchtime. <laughs> I think, like, yeah, yeah. There's, there's much more... It's much more known that it's there. Yeah. It's whether it's actually... It is just a purely personal thing. Yeah. And whether it's... Certain people are going to be empathetic and certain people just aren't. And yeah. it's just a, uh, just a personality type. Yeah. So... I think we'll start to see more know. of it as, as corporates see that they... It's a way to get the best talent. Yeah. yeah. It's a way to be more productive, mm. more efficient. Unfortunately, that kind of cynical, cynical world. Um, I think we'll see more corporates trying to be mm. more empathetic, but for those reasons, more yeah, than anything because else, it makes business it, sense. You've got a better than... workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a talk last year by a happiness consultant, and she works with. Um, different businesses and there was a room full of business owners that were interested in what she had to say and she works as a consultant to Mm. help them create a more positive atmosphere Mm. in their work environments and she works with these huge tech companies and financial institutions to try and improve their cultures and improve processes in a really tangible way rather than a kind of fluffy let's make everyone happy Mm. it was really business focused Mm. And she's running another seminar um, soon, actually. Mm. It was by our, um, one of our clients, actually, Gabrielle, recruitment mm. consultant. They've organised a few talks with her. Oh, cool. But 
just for the fact that and then follow her on, on LinkedIn and she's mm. she's talking so much sense and a lot focused on business and the benefits mm. of treating people with empathy and trying to build up more happiness within mm. the workplace. I think nurturing employees and kind yeah, of having definitely. a... And I, I literally saw a thing yesterday of um, interview with a big company who've just hired chief happiness officer mm. that's an actual title her nice. title so and she her role's the same it's that thing of trying to sort of like nurture the employees mm. in order to boost the company because it does mm. make complete sense yeah. and it yeah. does and within society as well like if you apply <laughs> empathy to everything mm. if if in a perfect world if, yeah. if everything could be empathetic everything would be fantastic <laughs> you know like there would be there, yeah there'd be no there'd be no wars there'd be no kind of like all of these yeah. kind of because people would constantly be able like, to oh. put themselves in their yeah. shoes and they'd yeah. never be able to do anything mm. which i know is completely impossible but <laughs> i think but i think if you but nice if you thought, yeah them. if you try and apply it to as much as you possibly can yeah then i think yeah it I makes think sense of, i think there's a lot sense. of power in empathy I think 100%. Yeah. So I think much. you can create stronger relationships with people. I think you can um I was going to say no, I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> I was going to be really cynical about it. <laughs> Use empathy to your advantage. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't mean that. Um but I think I think you can kind of use it as a way to connect better with people and actually progress yourself because if you understand people better you're going to get on with them better you're going to see their point of view you're going to be able to get to a solution that works for both of you Mm -hmm. avoid conflict all of these things that break down relationships I think people are going to disagree but I think if you can understand why they're disagreeing and their viewpoint exactly and that then is then you can have an yeah, adult conversation it. you don't necessarily have to agree with people that's you just need to understand what they're feeling and exactly. then just accept it and be like yeah. I totally see where you're coming from mm. I still feel like this yeah. and then yeah. they can be like I totally see where you're coming from why I still feel like this yeah. Yeah. and you don't have to clash that's no. often the things that you're disagreeing about are such tiny 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 yeah. elements of your actual relationship mm. that it kind of I think it sort of makes you focus on the things that are actually mattering and yeah. everything else kind of yeah. goes to the side. So, so yeah, so business, business need, yeah, everyone gets some empathy in them quickly because it's going to make, <laughs> make the world a lot better place. Like um, empathy tablet. Like, <laughs> or an empathy tap. Yeah. Just fill up your glass with empathy in the yeah. morning. It must be some sort of tech that's coming. Yeah. It must be some research. Yeah. Nice. yeah. <laughs> Like you make more CEOs empathetic, yeah. just give them, yeah. a, give them a shot every like morning. Like yeah. something in their water. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> On their pasta. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if there are any, uh, any of those tech companies out there, and you need a brand, yeah. give us a shout. Um, so, yeah, and, so, and are there any kind of, do you think there are any specific industries or sectors that are more, tend to be more empathetic than others? I mean, I guess I'd, would have no idea I've only ever been in design so yeah. again like but I guess we've worked with but clients across loads yeah, of different industries I like just assuming that maybe more you know profitable business maybe like finance mm-hmm. or you know yeah. recruitment or those types of businesses I would assume that they 
would perhaps be less empathetic just because they are so not focused but they're kind of run on yeah they're so Mm. they run on kind of like profit and growth and results they're results driven Mm. and Mm. if they don't see those results then you know because i'd I'd argue that like in that list that you said so Mm. finance recruitment design i think finance by far is the least empathetic because Mm. the only thing you're dealing with all day is numbers Mm. like literally you're just looking at numbers yeah yeah. and it's just like you said it's about generating maximum amount of numbers Mm. the number has to grow has to be bigger than it was at the end of the day Mm. recruitment you're you're dealing with people Mm. yeah i agree i think it's probably unfair on recruitment yeah because i think think, they they often get a bad rep yeah Yeah. recruiters but really their job is putting people into the into the right roles for them so they need to understand the person a great recruiter will really know the person know Mm. the organization they're going to be putting into Mm -hmm. know the culture of that organization Mm. so really they should be highly empathetic and it's whether yeah Yeah. and it's whether they actually are i I guess that's more recruiter to (coughs) candidate isn't it yeah maybe like within the actual within the organization yeah yeah, yeah. sort of like a you know, if it's too target driven, numbers and yeah. But then I was and I was going to say about design. I think because, well, especially with branding, um, it's so much about emotion and it's so yeah. much about a feeling, what you're trying to do, mm. to how it makes someone feel through mm. design or through branding or through a color or mm. font or whatever. So there's, mu- I think you're just much more in tune with it when mm. you're in certain industries and sectors than you are in other ones where yeah. you're not having to think about yeah. people's feelings just humans being human mm. beings you're thinking much more about like a to b maximize whatever i do mm. in between those two points mm. and doesn't really matter how i get there just long yeah. as i do it mm. i think you know like and i guess in that vein it's probably impossible to generalize by sector in that way because mm. you have different roles within those mm. organizations sure you know and so different types of organizations in design you've them. got a finance director sometimes who will just be focused on the numbers of the business sure. versus a designer yeah. or a UX designer that is just constantly having to think about how someone is going to perceive this, yeah. how someone is going to react to this. Yeah. So you, you've probably got that in every organisation, different roles, mm. different personalities. Again. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. we've never like you know been in that environment, in a you know mm. financial situation environment, mm. then, you know, you no idea like yeah. they might be you how might get you? you know yeah. yeah how could you it sort of and again it just goes completely down to the type of person yeah personality and i mean a certain person is going to be more likely to, to be a chief financial officer than they are mm. a chief happiness officer they're yeah. going to be two very different people yeah true um, who are very focused on different things mm. and probably and have very different need, personalities right? yeah you yeah. do exactly yeah. but you just the main thing is you just need to have all of those people understanding each other and yeah. that's the and that's the, yeah. that's the issue that's or the issue the thread empty yeah. pills yeah. <laughs> or the empty all that, <laughs> all that. Um, so that that kind of moves quite nicely onto design and, and whether I kind of wanted to know from both of you whether you think there's such a thing as empathetic design yes yeah, literally straight away yes. there we go <laughs> one word answer yes <laughs> next question <laughs> I think all good design has to be empathetic okay you know to be successful in design you need to design for people um, otherwise you're kind of missing missing a trick with it um, and I guess you don't I'm sure Alice would agree with this but you can have a product but if the product hasn't been designed in a way for people 
then people aren't going to use it. It's going to be hard. So I think it it spans all design, not mm. just brand design, but everyone that is involved Every, in designing yeah. anything mm. has to think about how it's going to be used, how someone's going to react to it. Yeah. So they have to, they should be, have some sort of empathy within that process. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes it is, it's too far removed, but actually to be really successful you have to be empathetic and I think it's something Mm. within our industry that it's just talked about more and more and more that it's Mm. empathetic design you need to think about who you're talking to think about your targeting especially more in digital that's oh yeah that's an area where it's real kind of buzzword Mm. it's empathetic design Mm. um and really thinking about how the experience how how the product is being experienced yeah, um, and you have to be able to tell that through being empathetic in order yeah, to design it in the yeah. right way. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have to understand who you're designing for. Yeah, um, it's a lot of the the reason we're constantly asking clients about, you know, do you have research insights? Can we look into your target yeah. audience? Can we understand them more? Because in, unless we have a real strong understanding, we can't possibly design mm. something that's going to be truly successful because we don't know it's going to relate. Yeah, we don't know it's going to be relevant. Mm. It was quite impassioned uh, speech. Mm. It was almost like I felt um, like think... guilty for asking the question. It's like you're telling me I'm kind off. of judge you a little bit for asking Stupid that. boy. How dare you. Stupid <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, I'm, I'm empathetic towards <laughs> why you asked the question. Oscar. I promise I am. No. But I think it's something for, for us, we're really... We're strong about it. Mm. I think our yeah. team feels strongly about it. Definitely. I think, I think yeah, if you're designing anything for anyone it's not else. for you yeah. you have to mm. be able to you know put yourself in that person's shoes ask them like that's why you know user research user empathy you know mm. it's all about the user because it is like they're they're yeah. who the product's for mm. and if you're if you just disregard mm. kind you of, can't put yourself in yeah. their shoes then. yeah you're just designing yeah, something yourself. Yeah, what are you doing, basically? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why are you here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. I think, cool. yeah. Perfect. So now we're going to move on to the, the fun part of the podcast, um, where we kind of discussed some fun things to do uh, <laughs> beforehand. I'm so um, excited. <laughs> we, we kind of thought it would be a nice idea to do a quote, but that wasn't that fun. So, kind of had a little more think about it, and luckily we've been blessed with no none other than Johnny Davidson, um, our design director, our design director, <laughs> who who is who is just yeah. <laughs> one of the most self-deprecating people we know. So he will Ever. be able to take it. Yeah, I mean it's but just fantastic. Also puts himself into some just fantastic situations yeah. that give us all good comedy laughs. Yeah, it's one of those people where. You never ever laugh with them. You laugh at them. Oh, that's not true. That's ninety-nine percent of the time. Ninety-nine percent. One percent. No. Yeah. Maybe ninety. I'm I'm like I'm going to stick up for Johnny. (laughs) Empathetic to Johnny. We love Johnny, and that's why we feel so comfortable doing it. So we've decided to get maximum humour. We've got a new section called "What Would Johnny Do." So each episode, we're basically going to go around uh, with a hypothetical situation and we're all gonna just give our thoughts about what you think the man himself 
Johnny Davidson would do in he's that gonna, situation. Is he going to answer as well? Yes, yeah, so he's going he's gonna to answer. So we're all going to give our answers. And he's going to kind of come in and, and have his little bit, oh, which God. I'm sure he's going to love. Hit us with it. So following on from uh, a conversation I had the other day, I just decided to put it to Alice um, that what she, what she would do in a zombie apocalypse, because that's a very common question that people ask. If she were Johnny. No, oh, I no, just know I asked her, oh, yeah, okay, I asked right, her, and we kind of, we bounced it around, we thought, actually, it's a fantastic thing to ask Johnny, because I'm sure he's going to have he a was, really good answer for this. I mean, Bianca's answer was pretty good. Bianca's she, answer she was pretty good, yeah. She would run into the woods. Yes, she'd run into the woods, that was her <laughs> And answer. that was it, I just, yeah. nothing else, yeah. just run into just, the woods. Just run into the woods. <laughs> well, the zombies are in the woods. Well, exactly. There yeah. was absolutely no thought. Yeah, no thought. She was just like, I'm going to run away into the woods. Brilliant. So, God help. Run somewhere remote where there's no people God and no light and I have no weapon. Yeah. Or food, or water. No, no, nothing. nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. It's like a very slow suicide <laughs> by a zombie. So, that's why we haven't done what would Bianca do. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because we know. Oh, that would be pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so... Alice, what do you think Johnny oh, would do? I thought you were going to ask Bethan first because... Well, we can do, we can do Bethan first. I've been thinking about this and I just... I don't know. See, yeah. I think it would be... I think we could basically superimpose Johnny into Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> so he'll get his little groupies, mm-hmm. his cronies. Yeah. yeah. They'll all find some sort of weapon. It'll be all about the weapons. Mm. I think it'll be all about the what weapons. What weapon do you think Johnny would have? Um, I, I don't think he would be subtle. I think he would be... You know, get mm, me a bazooka. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there would be no. I don't think he'd want to do hand to hand combat. No. I not think at all. he would be. You know, because he wouldn't want to ruin his outfit. No. I feel like he'd get a ping pong bat. <laughs> oh, that would be his weapon of choice. Wow. Okay. That's true. Okay, okay, maybe I'll take it back. Context: Johnny um, was ping pong champion of yeah. not the world, under fourteen, like, under 14s in UK. Um, the UK. Yeah. So. Yeah. I feel like he'd be confident with a ping pong bat. Oh, he'd be more That's a really good one. Okay, let's give him a ping pong bat. Okay, that's good. So, I mean, going back to the Shaun of the Dead thing, I can imagine him, like they're doing Shaun of the Dead with the vinyls. Yes. He'd do it with the ping pong bats. So he'd just have like this massive collection of ping pong bats and he'd just be Just getting his mates to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think they'd all be hungover when it first happened. So one of his mates, they probably wouldn't realise was a zombie at first because he's probably just really hungover. True. So, yeah, yeah, I thought about it. I thought, he's basically Shaun of the Dead. Johnny of the Dead. Yeah, Johnny of the Dead. It would be... One of his mates, a zombie, doesn't realise because he's... Acts like a zombie anyway, or so hungover. And then they all go to sleep. And they all go to sleep and they up. wake up and they have to deal with it. Yeah, and he's like, eating. With a hangover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's um, eating away at one of their mates. Yeah. Okay. And probably the first thing then he's get, he'd get a Fanta, because he can't really do anything on a hangover without a Fanta. True, yeah. So he'd probably go to the corner shop, get a Fanta. And then he'd kind of, and you'd then... see him sort of like... <laughs> as yeah, soon as like he had a... that, he'd be like... Yeah. He'd crush the can... <laughs> And he kind of like Check all the strength. Get me my ping pong bat yeah. now. Yeah. Give me the give me the bats. Come on, boys. Yeah. And get his little mates to go along with him. I love it. There you yeah. go. I think that's it. So Johnny, that's what Johnny would do. Just to sum it up, Johnny would get his mates, his little football mates, come along. They'd be talking <laughs> little about little football they, mates. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> envision- I'm, I'm envisioning them really small. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Because they're his, they sort of like do whatever he says, <laughs> and he's they're going to be sort of having a chat about football. Mate's going to get bitten by a zombie, but because they're so hungover, they won't realise. Mm. Wake up in the morning, zombie mates get tucking into another one of the yeah. mates. Oh. 
Johnny runs to the corner shop, grabs a Fanta. I need a Fanta. Downs it in like five seconds. Gains superhuman strength Mm -hmm. as he does with his Fanta. And then just goes to the local community centre, grabs all the ping pong bats (laughs) he possibly can. And then him and his mates just start flinging. Yeah. And that's it. Survival. Done. And then, yeah, save the world. Save the world just like that. One ping pong bat at a time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or like five or six, depending on how many of them are left. Yeah. Perfect. Um, okay. Um, well, now I think it's time. Let's see what he says. Yeah, let's get Johnny down here to. Yeah. Uh, cool. To, to get the. Johnny real... turn. Yeah, off you, off you pop, right. Alex. That'd be great. I'll be back in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, try and do this as quietly as possible. No, don't worry. It's fine. It's quite nice to have a, a bit of natural noise in the podcast. <laughs> oh, shall I move back and he can sit in this seat? Yeah. Come back. Come He's on. back. So, Johnny, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, yeah, Johnny, you can um, sit. Yeah, you can yeah. sit here, mate. Mic. Yeah, so we basically, this week's what Johnny do is Johnny doing a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> so we've kind of, we put, we won't tell you what we've said yet. You can listen to the podcast and figure out, and you can hear then. Well, you will guess what I'd say. Yeah. We, yeah, well, we've kind of come up with a group um, scenario of what, this one. yeah, of what you would do in a zombie apocalypse. What would you do? Okay. So we know from the man himself. What time to think about it? Mm. <laughs> no, go. Because I mean, we were saying like before, Bianca's answer was she'd just run into the woods, which is such a bad idea. There's absolutely no thought going Johnny's literally that thinking, all. I would do the same. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> so you've got to think about things like where you'd go, what okay. weapons you'd have, kind of like whether you'd have like a, like you'd, uh, like you'd, girlfriend there whether you'd kind of fob her off because she'd be because you'd have to look after her as well would you yeah. just go solo no I think I know what I'd do actually okay hit us <laughs> <laughs> yeah so when I, when I watch these films I always think zombies don't know if you're a zombie or not <laughs> so if you dress up like a zombie they'll just think that they're a zombie so you can just walk around go to the shops you know, just carry on with your normal food. life. Yeah, carry on as normal, just, just dress up like a zombie, and they won't know. <laughs> I cannot believe <laughs> that. So that's your plan. Don't try and kill then them, don't be... try and save the world, just potter along, exactly. but a bit slower than normal. Yeah. You'd have like, a bit of a limp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's smelly. Like grown ketchup. <laughs> yeah, just like, act like you've got out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to talk too much, just go... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not too much. Yeah. <laughs> Talk make it obvious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. okay. Then I'll that would be it. Yeah, live and you just carry on. Yeah, just keep going. Live forever. Live forever. <laughs> and then, well, you You're just... not a zombie, so you won't live forever. No, no. You'd keep going until, yeah. the, and then you get to the end, you'd, and you die, and you'd be like, ha ha ha, ha got you, <laughs> I pulled you got all. you all. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, I'm not really care about anyone else in this scenario. Okay. Oh. So I, I don't know how anyone else. Survive as well, but okay. Not my problem. I that for. Oh, yeah. okay. Wouldn't you be lonely if it was just you? Well, with all the, well, the zombies. Yeah. That's true. You'd have so many mates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, lovely. I mean, Johnny. About? That was perfect. Yeah, I mean, mate. thanks for the random question. Yeah, no, it was, that was more, more than to I could, come. Yeah, it was more than I could ever have hoped for. Perfect. Thanks, mate. And without further ado, I think we'll end the podcast there. Thank you very much thanks, for listening. Cheers. Bye. Bye.